Welcome to the Shelf Warmers Podcast, the show about toys, why we like them, and their connection to bigger topics. I'm your co-host Darby, and tonight we're going to talk about Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. And I'm your co-host Sugu, and join us tonight as we take one of the darkest comic books in recent history, and we bring it to light. That's good. Before we begin, by way of introduction, I'm Darby Harn, a freelance writer and editor and an independent author. Publishers Weekly called my novel Ever the Hero an entertaining debut, which uses superpowers as a metaphor to delve into class politics and an alternate America. You can find more information about me and my books at DarbyHarn.com. I'm also on Twitter at DarbyHarn. And I'm Sugu, your co-host. I work in IT and education, and I'm also passionate about writing and story. You can find some of my travel writings on allaboutjapan.com, where I've written various articles about my life and perspectives in Japan. For those of you who are listening to these episodes in order, when last you saw us, we were talking about grim dark and some pretty, uh, well, dark stuff. This time we're going to switch gears and talk about something positive, uh, and that is Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Specifically, the 2021 comic run of Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, written by Tom King, illustrated by Bilkis Evely, and lettering by Matthias Lopez, I think, lettering anyway. Uh, It's actually coloring uh, by uh, Matthias, I believe is how he pronounces it, Lopez, and... Uh, he, this is a classic in terms of color, man. I this, just finished this comic book recently. Darb, yeah. you've read this, what, back in 2021. I finally got around to completing it in my queue. Uh, why don't you get, why don't you get started? I, I've been dying to talk about this on the pod. I'm really excited to, um, this is one of my favorite comic books of the last several years. This is one of my favorite comic books ever. Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow was an eight issue uh, limited series by Tom King. Uh, it's another feather in his cap. It's another reason why he's one of our best modern writers. Uh, I don't know if he has. There's a lot of great writers in comic books these days, so I don't want to. I don't want to get hyperbolic, but um, I don't know that he has many equals. I'll say that. Uh, this is the. Um, coming out for uh bilkis heavily oh my god oh my god the art in this book is a revelation this is a tour de force there are page after page there's panel after panel um this book reminds me a lot the style and the scope remind me a lot of mobius if people are familiar with him French artist, uh, uh, probably most famous for The End Call, which was uh, serialized in Metal Hurlant. Just the scope, it's when I make, uh, someday when I make the Stargun Messenger movie, I am going to hire Bilkis as uh, my concept designer because there is some shit in here that will absolutely blow your mind. And the colors, Bilkis, pencils this is all still this is not on the ipad this is still pencils but she doesn't ink uh is my understanding and mateus lopez is doing the colors and this is one of the most gorgeous example we could talk this entire episode about the color let me just say there are you just flip through it the color, the separations, and the line. A great example is this two-page spread right here where she's writing uh, she's writing Comet, and there's this wispy, thin, turquoise line, which is would be unreadable in traditional four-color comics back in the day when they printed them on newsprint with the colors. 
but because of the methodology that they used for this, and I don't know if Mateus was using iPad or whatever he was using, it doesn't really matter, but it's, it's, it's impeccable. It's gorgeous. And with, with that combined with the story is just makes for one of the best, best reads you're going to have. I cannot recommend this enough. So we're going to talk about it today. We won't, won't break down the entire thing, but I think we're going to probably going to talk about, I'm really curious, Sugu, actually, let me stop rhapsodizing about it. What did you think about it? High level. Yeah, overall, I really liked it. Um, it was a lot deeper than I was expecting it to be. Yep, everybody um, says that. Huh? Everybody says that. Yeah. yeah, like I was, I'm actually not sure what I was expecting uh, when I started reading it. So uh, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations, but um, reading into it is definitely very gripping. Uh, I was into the story. I was with it. There were a couple parts that I thought w maybe the pacing was a bit slow, but keep in mind, or at least I have to keep in mind, that I read this book as the entire book. I didn't read it as an eight-page or as a, as an eight-issue spread out over what are we talking mm -hmm. eight months? One yeah. one a month. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't read it like that. I read it all in not in one go, but like as a collection. So the pacing issues stand out more for me doing that, um, where the story kind of, I'm not going to say meanders, but it kind of goes away from the main plot and then just kind of stays there and then eventually comes back. Um, well, look, let's talk about the main plot really quickly. Cause I think it's, it's, it's simple. The, the story isn't simple. The plot is basically true grit in space. Um, Ruthie, a young woman living on a planet, her father is killed by a man named uh, Krem of the Yellow Hills. And she seeks justice for her father. This leads her to a glorious encounter with Supergirl. She um, then proceeds, her and Supergirl then proceed to uh, chase Krim across the universe, mm -hmm. um, which leads to some episodic adventures, but in their totality, add up to the story about grief and trauma and loss and what it what justice means, mm -hmm. uh, what being a hero means. Do you really ever know somebody? And then also, what is the truth? And that that leads to amazing places and amazing insight into Supergirl who has been one of the most misaligned characters in comics for so long, literally an afterthought. Yeah. And honestly, that's one of my biggest takeaways from, from reading this is, uh, I know it's not the first example in, in the universe. I know that, but it's the first example I have that kind of legitimizes Supergirl as as her own identity as her own thing and not in the shadow of superman i think it's the first kind dare i say it i know people disagree with me um i dare i say it this is the first comic book in supergirl's history that actually treats her as a character okay um see i wasn't sure it, if i was just missing out the past 40 years there's been a lot of Supergirl. Her, before this book, her primary moment in comic book lore was her death in Crisis of Infinite Earths. And they killed her because she was boring. And they didn't know what to do with her because she deluded Clark. Because they felt that they got to a point where Clark wasn't special anymore. Superman wasn't special anymore because of the crypto people. So, you know, Kara... Uh, Zod, uh, Comet, um, Crypto, the Superdog, all of whom are in this in glorious ways. This Actually, this book is a great love letter to Golden Age weirdness. Um, <laughs> they killed Kara. They didn't know what to do with her. And so it makes for an iconic moment in Crisis on Infinite Earths. And it creates real stakes because, oh my God, they killed Supergirl. But then she was dead for somewhere around 10 years. 
And ever since, they've not known what to do with her. Tom King comes along. I feel he's the first person to truly understand her character because he's truly paying attention to her origin and her arc. Mm-hmm. He harnesses the fact that Kara was Clark Kal-El, last survivor of Krypton, he thinks, but didn't actually, because of his age, he was a baby when he left, he didn't witness the Krypton's. the apocalypse that befell right. Krypton. Kara was 14 years old, and not only did she witness it, she suffered through unimaginable grief and heartache and loss and suffering before she finally left herself. And she's been carrying that around. And then he takes that and he puts that into action, into character, in ways that this is very not as short as it is. It's very novelistic. She, when we meet Supergirl in the first uh, chapter of this book, she's in a bar on a planet, um, getting drunk because she's left she's left Earth in a yellow sun because there she can't get drunk. So she's gone to you know, and she's like she's twenty one. She's going to get drunk, and you're thinking. Well, this is a shit take on Supergirl. She's just been waiting for an opportunity to get destroyed on her 21st birthday. No, she's been waiting for an opportunity to douse some of this grief and trauma she's been carrying around for a very long time. A very long time. And actually, the end of this book suggests that Kara is much older than 21, actually. Mm. Something like 300 years pass. Uh, by the end of this book and when before we realize that Kara actually is much older than we sort of think in comic book terms. Yeah. So. I kind of figure the whole age thing is a bit of a hand wavy bit anyway. Yes. Yes. It's like, don't, don't look over here. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I definitely thought, the, okay, real quickly, can, can I back up for a second? Yep. Cal yep. L left as a baby. Uh, Supergirl left at 14 so theoretically only 14 years later she was 14 when cal was a baby um krypton um in this comic um chooses to depict the destruction of krypton as as a process that took time it wasn't instantaneous as it's been depicted elsewhere but that's also has its roots in the comics because she was a resident of argo argo splits off from krypton and floats through space. This is her origin in the comics. And then Argo then suffers through <sighs> the surface turns to kryptonite. It becomes radioactive and lethal to its citizens. It's then uh, they Kara alone builds this lead shield, which then gets destroyed by meteorites. And that it's it. It's over. She's watched her people basically be wiped out three times at that point. And her father, had, at last resort, her father has found um, Zorel, or or Cal's father, um, his um, plans for the schematics for the rocket in which he sent Cal and away. And then he tells Kara, he's like, "You need to leave. It's over." And she's like, "Well, I don't want to leave. I I want to be here." And he's like, "No, it's over. It's done. You have to be good though. Be a good girl." So she leaves and then she eventually shows up on Earth and Tom King doesn't go into her earthly adventures, but he's, he doesn't contradict them either, which is one reason why Comet is in this story. Um, but she then, she is carrying around all that grief and trauma, which the her bat, her origin, the flashback to Krypton is, is recounted in what is issue six or chapter six which is one of the best single issues in recent memory. And, and here is, is just, in the, the, reading the entire story is just, it's heartbreaking, it's staggering, and, and Bill Casevely renders Kara with this almost blank stare at various points through the story several times where Kara is, she's just staring off into space, and you realize this woman is just, really really suffering and i i just i'm i'm kind of moving around but i before i forget um about halfway through the book they on their journeys they're tracking creme across the universe and they come to a planet and this is the most ornate the sort of hr giger planet 
and the the art here is just is this the one with the purple eyes those guys this is after that it's the chapter after that and uh kara uh antagonizes the giant into beating out her own trauma on kara who can take oh, it oh yeah right so immediately following that they go to this planet which is this gothic baroque hr giger planet and then uh, kara tells uh, ruthie to wait outside and she goes into this gothic church-like structure we don't see what she sees but she comes out and she has that thousand yard stare mm-hmm. and then a couple pages and then they have one of the pirates one of the brigands and the the community uh executes him publicly they 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 kill him with rocks and and ruthie says i thought you would save him and Kara is standing next to her thousand yard stare. And she says, did you? And then this is, I think the most important and, and wonderful and, and just amazing two pages in the book. Kara flies off into space. She flies into a sun to scream because if she screams on the planet, she'll shatter the planet. This is why comics are beautiful this is the marriage of prose and art in ways that you simply cannot get in any other way ruthie is the narrator she's narrating this entire passage and she gives you the single best insight into kara in her entire comic book history and she explains ruthie did not witness this going into the sun Mm-hmm. And she says something that is profound, which no one has ever considered. I want to read this part. Indulge me for a second, guys. So this is Ruthie. You see, what is not well understood about the daughter of Krypton is that her power was not one of action, but one of restraint, endurance, and passion. She did not choose to fire a beam from her eyes or, or have breath of ice or run faster than a speeding bullet or any of her other well-documented miracles. As Ruthie is saying this, Kara is speeding into a sun at the speed of light. No, she held back her heat vision to look you in the face. She warmed her breath to converse with you. She slowed herself to walk by your side. Every moment of every day, she suppressed the forces churning inside of her. All the energy of a dead world that strained against her many barriers, eternally demanding to be released. And then I think in the in one of the starkest images in the story, an image simply of the sun from a distance, I believe this effort hurt her. I believe she lived her life in pain. It's ex- 60 years, Sugu. This is... Kara goes from being an afterthought to... A complex, nuanced character with infinitely more depth and layer than Cal. It's not a knock against him. It's extraordinary to the point where this is going to be the Supergirl, I think, going forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 her influence already <laughs> is uh, profound because she, um, James Gunn, is going to, they're going to make a Supergirl uh, movie based off this book. Okay. And... Tom King is going to be writing that movie and that movie is going to rock that movie. If it's, if he adheres to his own story, that movie is going to be something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd, I just want to say too, I don't want to talk. I'm, I feel like I'm going on, but I just want to say one of the reasons I think this is, book is so good and so important is as, as far as Kara goes, is that this is a great example, Supergirl woman of tomorrow of a reconstructionism. So we've talked a lot about on the pod about, superheroes obviously in deconstructionism watchmen at all and that's been the mode in comic books for 35 years this is an example of reconstructionism this is renovating a character in kara but also why the genre is just fine it's just fine the way it is this is superhero comic book silliness you have flying horses you have crypto the super dog you have absurd stuff magic all of that stuff 
and you have trauma, PTSD, character, depth, literary devices, what is the truth? What actually happened? Right? Is Ruthie's story completely true? We know that it's not, but, you know, and then yet Ruthie is the person who's giving us this insight into this character. Um, this, Tom King in general, I think is a tremendous writer. Um, he's a huge inspiration to me. He's a huge influence to me. His previous works, um, Mr. Miracle in particular, and The Vision, uh, where was that, 2015, 2016, those were huge inspirations to Ever the Hero, my novel. Um, he's a reconstructionist. Uh, I consider myself to be one. I don't think there's anything wrong with the superhero genre. I think deconstructionism is played out. I think it served its purpose. And I think the genre is, is just fine. And I think the genre can allow you to be silly as, as well as being serious as a heart attack. Gosh, you said a lot there that I want to unpack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but let's first go back to what you're saying about whether it's true or not. Because one of the things that confused a lot of people on the Goodreads uh, reviews, and yeah. I am not going to talk about the sexist reviews, the misogynistic ones. I'm not going to give them any any light, any, any air. I'm not going to give them any yeah. oxygen. But let's talk about uh, the ending. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard that the official interpretation of it is one thing. I prefer a different interpretation myself. Uh, but what happens? What What do you think happens? So, wait, what do you mean? What do I think? What is the official or what do I prefer? Well, what do you think? What do you think happens at the end? Uh, Creme of the Yellow Hills comes out of the Phantom Zone, mm -hmm. and I think officially she knocks him out. Uh, Ruthie yes. knocks him out, and then, yes. like, that's it. But the story is the story that Ruthie told everyone else is that Supergirl killed Creme of the Yellow yes. Hills so that the brigands would would target Supergirl instead of Ruthie. If Krem had been alive, then the brigands would have had cause to continue their campaign, especially against Ruthie. And so Supergirl took on something which, because the story ends on this note, we don't get complete investigation of. But Supergirl's galactic reputation is one of extreme justice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if if you fuck with your if you shoot her dog with an arrow, you are gonna lose your life. Uh, is the reputation that Kara has, which is starkly different from her reputation in the comics, and certainly different from Kal El. Mm -hmm. It's a lie, and it's it's a lie to protect Ruthie, and Kara's true character, which is a belief and a faith and redemption and rehabilitation. And rather than kill Krim, who fucking deserved it, if anybody deserved it, he did. Uh, she imprisons him in the Phantom Zone uh, for 300 years, at which point he apparently changes his tune. And then he comes out and uh, but and then um, begs Ruthie for forgiveness. Uh, rather than give it to him, she gets a coup de grace. She does not kill him, as some people say. Uh, there's been a lot of people like, well, she, oh, you know, Ruthie kills him at the end. He's not dead. Uh, but she absolutely brains him with her walking, <laughs> her walking stick. And then she simply walks away. She walks away back to the rest of her life and Kara goes on to her, her adventures. Mm. Yeah. I, it's a fantastic ending. It's a great example of what you you know the possibilities in the genre um it raises a lot of questions in terms of justice and right and wrong and ethics and morals and truth and fiction um 
raises questions about who Kara is. I think the story gives us a very strong anchoring in who Kara is, but it's not the it's not the Kara that the world knows within the world within the DC universe. It's very different. Mm-hmm. Very different. That raises for me as a, as a storyteller. I there's just so many possibilities there. Um. Uh, Ruthie. It raises questions about the validity of any of Ruthie's story. We take on faith that she's telling the truth, but is she? The bros you mentioned take issue with what? They take issue with when Ruthie and Supergirl are stranded on the planet with the green sun. Kara mentions that this planet was designed specifically as a trap for Mm Kal-El because um, of its danger um, and he lasted I think something like 10 minutes here something like that mm-hmm. before and he had to be rescued Justice League saved him Justice League saved him Kara lasts substantially longer and then she ends the sequence with a, a little like what a wimp uh, as far as Kel-El goes well you, the bros you mentioned were furious at this and they were furious at the implication that Kara oh. is stronger than Kel L. Um, <laughs> Forty-five minutes, Kara less. Thirty-five minutes longer than her cousin. Um, there's an implication that Kara is stronger than Kel L because she left Krypton when she was fourteen. This is has some support in in canon because General Zod who left Krypton as an adult, is also stronger than Superman. Oh, really? So I think being on Krypton into adulthood and then coming to Earth and getting these powers, I think, makes for a stronger Kryptonian. Um, so I'll be so honest, it shouldn't that was surprise one thing us. I hated in Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, where, mm-hmm. <laughs> here we go, on, uh, here I go on <laughs> Zack, Zack yeah. Snyder again. But anyway... Uh, that's yep, one take thing a drink, everybody. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's one thing that I I really did not like about Man of Steel is that they set it up that Cal L evolved those powers over an entire childhood. Mm-hmm. Then Zod comes in. Zod and his two minions they come in, mm-hmm. and in like ten minutes they get the same powers. Like that, that completely undoes the conceit of it takes your childhood to grow and develop them. Sure. I, I agree. I think there's definitely, there's ways of approaching it and handling it. I, I, I think I, for me personally, I I think it makes sense to me that Zod, Kara, others would be, would find maybe not easier facility with the powers, but they would, they would. Um, they they could end up with you know fractionally stronger than Cal Al because of their own inherent phys- physique and the fact that they're they were he grew up very differently than they did, um, and the, the, the you know his body was his body um grew up in an environment where basically he was inundated with the yellow sun his entire most of his entire life whereas they weren't and so but. They had inherent ability, Kryptonian strength, stamina, things like that, that got a boost, I think. Mm. I'm fine with that. But I also, like you, I don't, not not bothered by the, the guys, the bros who are mad about this, because they're just going to be mad about this anyway. Yeah. Um, what always cracks me up about these, these misogynists, it's like they're compelled to read Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, like someone forced them to. And I don't really get that because, like, for example, I I have heard that there's this person named Andrew Tate. Don't oh know anything God. about him. I just know he's in Romania being arrested for being a pedophile, I think. Something like that. Didn't um, you just you do an episode about stupid people? Yeah. <laughs> so, but here's the thing about Andrew Tate. I know nothing about him because I don't listen to him. I don't consume any of his media. So Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, this comic book exists. You have a copy in, in America. I have a copy in Japan. 
there's a couple, you know, a few extra copies lying around the world. Uh, the same thing. But you're not compelled to read it. And these misogynists, they're yeah. going on complaining, but they don't have to read this stuff. You don't have to read it, and and I, I let me just say real quick about um about that. That's kind of a, a, a you know a whole different subject which has its own sort of things. But it's for me, it's it's simple. It's it's you don't have to like you don't have to like it, and you're not gonna like everything, and and that's okay. I I don't like everything, um, and I'm not supposed to, but I'm also not bothered by it. So, um. If you didn't like Supergirl, that's cool. I get a feeling that this Tom King is a divisive author. Uh, his work is critically acclaimed. A lot of people, fans, comic book fans, have problems with it. I think it's because he tackles very serious shit in a way that's um, there's very little varnish on. Mm-hmm. And he'll do something like Supergirl's a, a case example of what he does, which is to take a character. A beloved character a character with a lot of history and bring them into the moment or into the modern day in ways that deal with things that are very powerful um mental health mm-hmm. ptsd um kara is getting drunk on her 21st birthday if kara could get drunk on earth would she be an alcoholic if kara could hurt herself on earth would she hurt herself I don't know. I worry about it because this picture of of Kara suggests someone who is in deep, deep distress. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also unimaginably heroic. Um, she literally crosses the universe. Literally crosses the universe to take this fucker down. She refuses to quit. She, there's a little bit of a, they're on the space bus and they're like the guys like there's like a space dragon outside and we're all gonna die and because our bus is made of metal and like it eats metal and she's like bummer it's <laughs> like can you do anything can you fucking go out there and she's like i literally just came from a planet with a red sun and um but then it leads to this thing where it leads to this gorgeous art where she takes these pills, these because they're called reds. This is not the Matrix pill, but evidently it boosts Kryptonian powers. And she takes a pill, and Ruthie's like, "What does it do?" And she's like, "Well, there's it either my it makes your hair grow long, or I turn into a giant monster." And then Kara pops the pill, and she's like, "Did my hair just move?" <laughs> Ruthie's like, "No." And then and then Kara turns into this like aimed is gorgeous. She turns in this angel and she goes out and she fights this. It's another perfect marriage of line and color. This is just superlative. Um, And then there's so much in this book. That sequence is followed immediately by they're in the bathroom on the space bus. And Kara is washing her hands because she's just killed a space dragon. And Ruthie's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm washing my hands. Ruthie grew up on a farm they live in abject poverty um she says that um there was water but her she had many older brothers and by the time she got to the water it was dirty as fuck um and kara shows her how to wash her hands you're like what is this you're like what is what in a comic book this sequence this five panels is actually a metaphor for kara um washing the guilt and the trauma and the ptsd off of her this is kara's day she gets up in the day looks in the mirror makeup maybe washes her hands goes out and then where does it again it's the thousand yard stare again she's like you do this every day same way every day the ruthie's like okay and then ruthie asks her did you seek to avenge the death of your family thousand yard stare no i didn't did she i don't know about that question well ruthie says that she didn't uh seek to avenge the death of her family but that is supergirl's regret 
Like, that's not a sign of her being the paragon of virtue. That is, she wish she did avenge mm. the death of the family. Yes, you're right. You're right. This is another fantastic uh, line here. In, in her response, Ruthie says, I heard a whole, whole life of regret. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's exemplary. And I just I just adore this book I for so many reasons. This book is such... Tom King has been an inspiration to me for a while. He tells this story. He gave a podcast interview I listened to a couple years ago where he's a novelist as well, and he wrote a novel, oh, 16 or 17, somewhere in there, and he was uh, a big Bob McCloud fan. Bob McCloud is the co-creator of The New Mutants. And he took a copy of his book to a comic book convention where Bob was signing books and everything like that, and he gave him a copy, and he's like, you inspired me, thank you. You know, here, here's a copy of my book. I just want to give you a copy of my book. And then Bob McCloud left a one star on Goodreads <laughs> for for the for the for Tom's novel. And like my dream in life is to meet Tom at a at a show. He does a lot of shows, so this is this is my my dream uh, to give him a copy of Ever the Hero and for Tom to leave a one star on Goodreads for Ever the Hero because Tom inspired me, and this book inspires me. And I'll just say real quick too, this book. I read this book in 21 and 22. Um, Stargun Messenger was already uh, in the can, let's say. This book had a huge influence on Stargun Messenger 2. Mm-hmm. And I was struggling with the day after. What happens after? Um, and specifically with Gen Emra. And Gen Emra is similar to Kara, is the last survivor. Well, Kara's not the last, but... She's a survivor of uh, a genocide, um, of the loss of her people. And Emra achieves this glorious thing at the end of Stargun Messenger, and she's happy, and she's with someone who really, really loves her. And they have they have a, a good life, but then what? Then what? You've done the thing. It's easy for Adari. Adari's cashed out. Adari beat the bad guys. She got the girl. She's out. I'm done. I did my bit, right? Not for Emra. So this book had a tremendous influence on my thinking about Emra going forward in the story. Mm-hmm. These two stories have nothing really in common, but my thought about like how to approach it and then just the art and Bilkis's uh, imagination of the universe and this these images these images of her writing comet across the unit is just staggering writing beyond color to the edge of the universe and this unbelievable sequence where they get they get the the mordu globe chases them and literally to the end of nothing and she renders it powerless this is all intercut with her origin and her dad who is a good guy but doesn't know how to doesn't know how to be around his daughter just tells her good luck be a good girl mm-hmm. and she goes back and she fucking hands it to these brigands man this is amazing that whole <laughs> oh my god and she's like oh real quick I, I know I'm going on secrets. last thing before you, I want to let you talk here She's attacking the pirate ship. And this, I want to show you how much thought and consideration and care that they have for Kara. In the sequence where she's fighting the pirates, they blast her and they blast her back into the atmosphere. And she then comes back at the pirate ship and she lands on the deck of the pirate ship. And you and Bilkis renders this in the full weight of Kara landing on the pirate ship. You see the buckling and things like that. But what did Ruthie say about Kara earlier? She uh, lives restraint. her life restrained. If Kara wanted to go through that ship, she could have, right? Mm-hmm. It's she even then when she's pissed off beyond imagination, where she has every right and every justification to murder these guys. Even then, she's pulling her punches. She ultimately doesn't, because they hurt Comet, and then these motherfuckers die. They die hard, but that's hey, they knew what they were doing, right? They you took on you took on Supergirl. What do you think was going to happen? Um, 
But anyway, I've, I've talked enough. Um, I own I own two copies of Chapter Seven, which I think is the best cover in the in the series. So I have the entire series in singles, and then I have the trade. Oh, okay. um, this is this is one of my favorite covers ever. I just love the simplicity and the intricacy of this image. Uh, the pirate ship is a glorious design. Um, Vilkas renders this. It, it's all if if she doesn't win an Eisner, if Tom doesn't win an Eisner, Mateus doesn't win an Eisner, I will riot. This is. I believe they're also nominated for the Hugo for Supergirl. Okay. Uh, they deserve that. This, this to me is this is why comic books are great. This is why comic books matter. Um, this is why comic books and superheroes still have value. There's a lot of conversation going on these days about superhero fatigue for a lot of reasons that don't really have anything to do with Supergirl. But there is there is no superhero fatigue. There's bad movies and bad TV and bad comics fatigue. But there's not there's not superhero fatigue. It's a this is a genre which is doing very well, and, it, and is served very well by by people like Tom, by Bilkis, by Mateus. Yeah. Yeah, like one thing I would say about all that is that like it, it, it isn't superhero movie fatigue or all that. It's at least for me. Once I uh, watched that other video on YouTube that really articulated it clearly, for me what what I'm so tired of are the heroes standing up for the status quo against yeah, we the talk, change agents. Like we talked, we talked about this one in our Batman versus super or Spider-Man episode. Right. And that's what I realized for me. That's what I'm tired of. Um, because I, I look around, I see a hell of a lot of problems. The misogynist reviewing yeah. Supergirl, right? Um, right. a, a lot uh, of issues that these heroes in the golden age and traditionally have always stood to try to effect a change they're trying their way to make it better like Batman for all of his faults is still trying to mm. fix up Gotham right like he's yeah. trying to change society Spider-Man trying to make the change but the movies you can't do that because the movies are still part of the capitalistic hellscape that we live in so the heroes have to have to be flipped they have to support the status quo which means that your villains are your change agents that I'm sick of because Killmonger he had a point but, Carly had a point. Right? Gravik in Secret Invasion has a point. Vulture in uh, Spider-Man? Uh, far From Home? Uh, Homecoming. Homecoming. He had a point? Uh, Mysterio had a point? Like Thanos the, didn't have a point. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just FYI. FYI. They they are the ones that are actually trying to change the system like in a good way. And so the heroes have to take them down to maintain the status quo. That I'm sick of. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I don't really care for that anymore. But this Supergirl, coming back to this, it, she's she is trying to be the change agent. She took down the brigands. She's like standing up for justice. And like the dude oh, on the space bus that she just like killed by breaking his nose into his brain. Yeah, he's dead, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's dead, yeah. You see you see the life kind of like seep out of his out of his life. Or uh, seep out of his nose. Um and the the whole purple eyes and blue eyes like that whole oh. section it's her God. changing the system it's her standing up for justice it's her not letting the villains or letting the status quo stay that has staying power that is important that is powerful 
she is in some ways what I would like for Kara going forward is to this guardian of the galaxy sort of thing here where she's not on earth co-piloting with Cal Al or playing sick second fiddle let's have let's keep her out in space where the rules vary from planet to planet the laws and the morals do but she doesn't and she's like there is right and wrong and you got when she goes to the blues and the purples and it, that, that episode begins with this guy building a literal house of cards which she knocks down mm -hmm. um <laughs> she's that there's right and wrong and you got you know they put this plastic veneer over this thing and then she uncovers this hideous this whole book is about this book is alive with color and light and all this and it's just it's about graveyards it's about kill zones it's about extermination and genocide it's about um holocaust literally mm -hmm. um and one thing the subtlety of this book um Krim uses a, a Mordu globe, which is a magical device against Supergirl. Ruthie, I believe Ruthie says, um, the Mordu globe is nothing in particular as far as the magic itself. But in order to, to obtain one, you've had to have killed 1,000 people. Krim mm -hmm. has two. Right. This book is sobering, staggering. It, it's thought-provoking there's a lot to consider long after you've read it i've read it several times now this has been the book i've read the most comic book i've reread the most in the last 18 months i don't know how many times i've read it at least five times i was reading it when the issues came out i was blown away by the art and by where the story was going and right away i was like true grit that's so interesting and then it became this true grit is just where it starts and it becomes this excellent character study of Kara. It's also a classic literary way, a device of the Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby is narrated by Nick uh, Carraway. Uh, the main character is Gatsby. Um, you, you don't really know anything about Nick, truly, but you get this insight into Gatsby. This is the same literary device at play. Mm -hmm. The main character, the narrator, is Ruthie, but really the character, the focus is Kara, and it's a superb example of that. This is a literary comic book, if there ever was one. Um, for for all the uh, comic book um, comet turning back into a man, Ruthie's like, "What the fuck just happened?" And Kara's like, "It's complicated. I'm not I'm not gonna tell you what it's about." Can I tell you one of my favorite uh, panels? Yeah, yeah, please. It's in chapter four or number four. First couple pages of it. Supergirl is sitting at the bedside table. Uh, it looks like a hospital type thing. And she is feeding this injured person. She's got yeah. arms cut yes. off, legs cut off. Um, basically, Johnny, get your gun type person but yeah. who can actually speak yeah. she's just sitting there feeding him feeding her that's it just such a here is this person with such like near infinite power just humbly feeding someone in a hospital bed that's and one of my favorite this, images it's such a great moment of who she is Mm -hmm. And there's so many. She follows that immediately by finishing the graveyard. So they come upon the old man. Mm -hmm. That's right. And he has the he has the bodies, and he can't bury them all. But he's gonna he's gonna do his best before sundown. And she's like, "I'll do it." And he's like, "No, no, that wouldn't be right." And she's like, "No, I'll do it. It's it, you know, I'm a neighbor. It's the neighborly thing to do." Yep. How many bodies did she bury on Argo? Right. All of them, right? It's 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 stag. It's it's just such a glorious, gloriously told, impeccably told. 
I can't think personally of a single fault. Usually I, I, I read something, I watch something, I'm like, I would have done that differently. I never had that thought once in all the times I've read it where I was like, I would have done that differently. It's like there's nothing you could, for me, that you could do to make this better. Possibly longer, I would have enjoyed more of it. But I actually think it's just the right length. I think if it had been 12 issues, most of Tom King's um, limited series, um, Strange Adventures, Mr. Miracle, Rorschach are all like 12 issues. I enjoy them all. I think they're epic. I think they're they're extraordinary. Could this have been twelve issues? Sure. I I don't think it needed to be though. Like no, I, think it's I would just say fine. this is as compact as it needs to be. If anything, it could be shorter, but it could have been six issues. Sure. Um, I I I don't think there's anything I would have taken out, but I think the compression helps. Mm-hmm. Um. If you're making into this into the, when they make this into the movie, you can see the obvious places where they're going to compress. There's a lot of scenes and episodes which kind of tell you the same thing. Krem mm-hmm. is a very bad person, and he did bad things everywhere. So in the movie, you're gonna you're gonna compress those into yeah. one or two major ones. Okay, but that's the movie. Um, and like I said, for me, I saw uh, I read this as an entire set, so I don't need the flashbacks of Krem being a bad person because I read it like three pages ago, but over an eight, eight month spread where you get only one, like one chapter a month and each chapter has to also serve as a point of onboarding. I I can forgive that. Yeah, this is a master class in how you write a comic book. This is a comic book that works not only in the single issues, but as a whole. Mm-hmm. Tom King has talked about... Tom King is someone who's won Eisner's, and he's one of the most successful and recognized writers in comic books today. He's just about to start a run on Wonder Woman, which me and everybody else is just... I'm absolutely dying to see what he does with Diana. Um, if it's anything like this, holy shit. Um, but he, he's so well recognized, but, oh, he, he said in an interview, he wrote issue six, which is the flashback to Krypton. And the editor was like, I want you to rewrite this. Cause I don't think, I don't think you got it. I think you need to reconsider this. And he was like, what? He was like, I fucking, this was, I put my heart and so, and then he thought about it and he went back and he was like, you know what? I didn't. I didn't get it. I went back. He dug and he scrounged, and he really went into that. Really went into it. And I, I that's that to me is a hallmark of Tom King's work. Is he the unflinching, the marriage of the 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 comic, and the profound, the the to, and making it work, making it work, which is a huge inspiration to me. It it, it 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 all it all just works. I'm I think I'm just repeating myself at this stage, but I can't recommend enough. I highly recommend it for people. This book went from a book really honestly no one is reading. The print runs on the individual issues are microscopic. When they announced the movie, of course, the value of these went sky high. Uh, particularly issue number one. Um, issues four and five are actually the rarest there. I think they're, I believe issue four, there's something like 12,000 copies were printed. (laughs) It's psychotic, but they announced the movie and then everybody rushed to get the issues. And then the trade, the trade is the the best selling trade in the market right now in the States. And I love that because I love that people are finding the story and they're really embracing the story and they're discovering Supergirl maybe for the first time, or they're certainly taking her seriously for the first time. And, and for a lot of lifers, uh, for a lot of guys, even guys older than I am, it's a bit of a shock maybe. It's certainly a different, it's, it's a gear shift from what they know from Kara. Maybe they don't like it, they don't have to like it. I, I think for me personally, I, I, I just think it's it's amazing. Um, a lot of people are really excited for his run on Wonder Woman, and then they're also apprehensive. The the same crowd is like, I you know, if he's just he's just gonna do Kara again. I don't think so. I, I think you know, Diane is a different character from Kara. But if he just brings his, he brings himself to the story, 
um, what he's done in all these other great stories, Strange Adventures, Mr. Miracle, The Vision, on and on. It's just going to be really superb. And that starts in September. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to this movie. I think this is, it tells me a lot about James Gunn's thoughts and, and wants and hopes for the his DC universe that he one of the first things that we're going to see is this is this book so that tells me a lot um okay so that gives me a lot of hope and confidence at least that it, it'll be different it'll be better <laughs> maybe than what we've had so oh uh, let's hope so okay so uh final maybe not final thought but kind of to wrap up yeah, uh, yeah. a question for you if you enjoyed Supergirl Wonder Woman, uh, Woman of Tomorrow written by Tom King, what next of Tom King's do you recommend? Mr. Miracle by what the art by Mitch Garretts is one of the best, most important comic books in the last 10, 20 years. Won the Eisner. Um, did it win the Eisner? I think it did profound influence and inspiration on ever the hero and the eververse the vision profound uh the vision directly inspired wandavision um people need to check that out 2015 2016 human target just ended fabulous fabulous he's doing it i'd start with mr miracle mr miracle is up there with the greatest superhero comic books ever it's uh, now has some competition from supergirl um i would maybe put supergirl ahead of mr miracle but mr miracle is just it's just amazing um yeah i can't recommend that one enough i i can't recommend what tom king does enough i you know it's funny the amount of um he's divisive there are people that are that are big tom king fans like me and there are people that really don't like him mm-hmm. i think i think those lines generally fall along a certain political spectrum <laughs> um but that's that's my interpretation um his one thing we didn't talk about in, uh, in Supergirl is, is um, Supergirl isn't a political book. I think Kara's politics are very obvious. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I, and I, they're so obvious that those people who are unhappy with it, I think they're reacting to that. So, um, same thing with Mr. Miracle. And anything that attacks, attacks is not the right word. Anything that addresses the status quo or things like mental health or male insecurity. Mr. Miracle, Mr. Miracle opens with staggering scene. You know, if, if you're a guy and you are threatened in any way by, by someone challenging the idea of, of male, um, or just the idea of male insecurity or male fragility or vulnerability. If you cannot allow yourself to be as a man, to be vulnerable, you're going to be bothered by these comics because t- there aren't many men in Supergirl, Women of, Woman of Tomorrow. The only real character of note is Krim of the Yellow Hills, and he's a piece of shit. But the other books are different, um, and they feature men who are as complicated, as fucked up as Kara, and people really have a problem with that. They really have. I think it's wonderful. Uh, Tom King. It it maybe for people who aren't familiar. You're listening to this. You're not familiar. Tom King. Tom King, comic book writer, comic book nerd. Tom King, a former CIA operative, served in Afghanistan and Iraq, lived through and saw some shit. And I think some of that shows up in his work. Yeah. And he's a he's a great guy to listen to. I really do. Honestly, I really do hope to meet him on a show. I really do have hope to hand him a copy of ever the hero and i really hope he destroys it on goodreads <laughs> nothing would make me happier <laughs> all right for me i guess my final thought would be it's really impressive just how unfiltered his take is on supergirl to re recontextualize it reconstruct it 
And to be honest, I like your your word for it. I like your descriptor of reconstruction, and I am kind of here for it. I kind of think all of these I, characters should be reconstructed uh, to the modern world. I, I mean, it's why I often talk about let Peter Parker retire and let Miles take over, or re reconstruct it. Peter, Peter desperately. We've talked about this. Peter desperately needs re renovation i don't think pete i think peter has tremendous value narratively and, and and he deserves to continue um but he desperately desperately needs <laughs> renovation right and the comic the, the movies have been very good to him um lately especially um the comics desperately need and you can do all of that and you can do miles and gwen too we can do all of it, it, it it's to me it's not either or mm. but um uh, this book is a great example of of the, of the benefits of doing that and why characters that may feel dated or boring or they don't serve a function because they're a derivative. Kara is basically Miles because she's a derivative character of, of, of a main character. She exists solely because Superman was the most popular guy in comics and they wanted to bring more girls into it. Well, they they so they brought Supergirl into it, and people liked her, and she she was lovely, but she was boring because she, she couldn't ever outclass Superman. So the story always had to put her. He's literally always patting her on the head. Oh, I'll handle this, Kara. And so that so for decades up until 1985, when they were just like, you know what, just kill her. And so since she was dead, and then they brought it, and then uh, we won't go into it because no one cares. But like, but you no, know, it's just taken us this long to get to her value as a character. Real, real know. quickly, what is the blob-like or shapeshifter Supergirl version from Death of Superman? This is the Matrix Supergirl. What the fuck is all I can say about it, and all <laughs> anyone can say about it? We don't, we don't, we don't really talk about it, do we? Um, so it was a, was this Peter David? I think it was. This was an attempt to, after post-crisis, to bring Kara back into the story. And because they didn't know what to do with Kara, I won't say they didn't care about her. I think people have cared about her, certainly at various points. But they didn't know what to do with her. And they're like, let's completely rewrite her origin. And they did it into utter nonsense. And... As Tom King shows, this origin recounted in Chapter Six in Woman of Tomorrow is her origin from the from the Golden Age, mm -hmm. or the Silver Age, excuse me. Um, that's what happened to her. Um, those comics back then did not have the maturity to deal with it the way that this one does. But that was her origin, and, and Tom King is right to adhere to it. Um, I just want to say, final thought. I was going to piggyback off what you were saying about the reconstructionist thing. I believe in it wholeheartedly. I'll pat myself on the back real quick because one of the best reviews I ever got for Ever the Hero was uh, someone said um, it was the next logical step after The Watchmen, which is the best quote you can get. And <laughs> I love that quote so much. And the reason I do, not just because it's a great quote and it's congratulatory, but because it speaks to, the I think, one of the things that is most important to me, which is I love The Watchmen. I love The Watchmen's a huge influence on me. I am not interested in, and I don't enjoy this deconstructionist stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a reconstructionist. I'm not writing comic books. I'm writing novels. But I'm approaching my work with the same ethos, I think, as Tom King. And Tom King, is, as I said, has been an inspiration to me. Um, I believe in it. I believe in the reconstructionism and the rehabilitation of this genre and these characters that the that you that it broke the deconstruction broke down into component pieces that then broke down into parody and satire and things that really diluted the genre and harmed the genre mm -hmm. um that's a maybe a larger kind and we won't get into it but that, that there's a lot going on there that has to do with a lot of cultural forces and things like that but um the but i i it's I'm a believer in it. I'm a practitioner of it. And I've, I love to see this. And I, I think the best work in comics right now, Marvel, DC, independent, is in this mode. It's in this vein of going back to characters who have very long legacies, but coming back to them, not not with like, 
oh, a modern snappy take where we take uh, we take Kara and turn her into a puddle of goo, who's this cybernetic thing because like edgy 90s it's going back to them and being like we love these characters we're often and prime with let me see your face let me let me give me your face <laughs> it's it's coming back to them with love and respect and in and open arms to the silly but also actually isn't kara super fucked up in the head because of what happened to her like can we actually talk about that so you know that's what it is and so that i i I, I love it. I'm a big believer in it. Everybody go out and read Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. Um, and DC, make a hardcover. Because you've done the trade. You haven't done the hardcover yet. I know you're waiting for the movie, but for, <laughs> just do it. Yeah. That'll do it for today, folks. Thanks again for joining us. Once again, I'm Darby Harn, and you can find more information about me and my books at my website, darbyharn.com. I'm also on Twitter, at Darby Harn. Sugu, how can they find out more about us in the podcast? You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us at our email address, shelfwarmers at gmail.com. Send us feedback about the show, your thoughts, opinions, recommendations, and insights on our perspectives. We're always happy to hear from you, our audience, and we'd love to share your opinions on our next show. Again, that's shelfwarmers at gmail.com. And if email isn't your thing, we're also on Twitter. You can reach us at Shelf Warmers. Give us a holler. We have new episodes every Friday. As always, remember to stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and get vaccinated when you can. Stick around to listen to a free clip of more content from us. Subscribe today and you can hear the rest of the following and more. Bye-bye. <laughs>